Started out with a run coming to the near side. It's Gibson big hole, first down and more. And a good start for Antonio Gibson, who comes off a career week in the win over Seattle. Blitz is coming. Heineke back foot throw. McLaurin in stride for the first down. Beauty of a throw from Heineke as pressure in his face. And he picks up 13. On the fake. Heineke floating one. And to, oh, one-hander caught for the touchdown by Thomas. go through him four-man rush it's blocked Carr dumps it to Drake and it's knocked away and it's incomplete Cameron Curl was there and it looks like the Raiders will set on the punt team they have had a high scoring offense we've talked about how they can throw the ball Washington number one Gibson gets a block on the outside and it springs him from Leno and he's got a first down oh he got a great block from the former Bear Charles Leno and a nice pickup of 16. What a shot. What an atmosphere here this afternoon. Glad you're with us. See if the Raiders can get something going. Four-man rush. Derek Carr in trouble. Down he goes. And a penalty flag, too. Allen got home. You wonder if that was low on the hit. With the penalty in the first down. You're thinking points here all day. Carr floats one. Dangerous. Jacobs is buried for a big loss. The Raiders playing without the great Darren Waller today. Jacobs. He has nowhere to go, spins around, just gets buried. I think that's the problem, Greg, is that every time the Raiders have tried to get the run game going, really all year, they just haven't blocked it that well. Third and 11, Blitz is coming. Carr in trouble, and down he goes. Ioannidis got home. Second and three. Carr firing Moreau again, knocked away. Cole. Excellent play. On the fake. Heineke. Mid-range. Thomas. Big gainer. Inside the 20. They will mark him out of bounds right there, as a matter of fact, on the 20. He's really struggling. Heineke slings it sidearm. Gets it. It's caught for the touchdown. Personified by Johnson. Could be the last play of the game. Carr. Can his arm get him there? Rose it deep down the field. It is incomplete. No flags. Washington wins it.
That's right. It's Monday night. Sports on the Hill podcast, True Radio Network. And for the fourth week in a row, we got a victory Monday with the Washington football team. You just saw the highlight video that of the game yesterday we're going to talk about in the bottom half of this hour. We got Dujanae clicking in to join in with us. We're going to talk about that. We also got a lot of live action going on tonight. We got the Capitals and the heated battle with the Anaheim Ducks at Capital One tied up at 3-3 with 16 minutes left in the third. We got the Washington Wizards down 104-92 to Indiana on the road with six minutes left in the fourth. We got the Monday night football game with the Buffalo Bills going against the New England Patriots for the division lead. Patriots up 11-7 in the second quarter with 10 minutes and uh, 34 seconds left to go until halftime. So we got a lot going on tonight. We got a lot to talk about tonight. But as always, I got to thank you for tuning in and joining the show as always. Episode 251. We appreciate y'all for tuning in for 250 and uh, all the fun we had with that show. And uh, definitely uh, reminiscing on uh, all of the good times we had. But uh, we having some good times in uh, D.C. sports right now especially with the Washington football team with a four-game winning streak. I can't wait to talk about that in a second. <laughs> but uh, this has been an interesting game against uh, Anaheim, you know, Anna's team, second team, I should say. And uh, the first period, you know, Capitals had a one nothing lead. And, you know, the second period, Anaheim came out, scored in the first nine seconds, and it's been going back and forth ever since. Uh, we're going to break this down, give you any live updates. Well, we're going to talk about the week that was. But first, Anna, how are you doing tonight? Oh, I'm doing well. And Jet, I will have to say, I'm going to have to correct you. My second favorite team is the Sharks. Sharks. Ah, I, knew it. <laughs> I thought it was Anna. I, could, I knew it was one of them. I thought it was Anna. Something in California. Yeah, in California, it was one of those teams. It's all good. It's all good. So, no, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm just, um, I'm excited that I'm, I only have, uh, as of tomorrow, nine more teaching days until I get my Christmas break. So uh, the kids are crazy. The staff is crazy. And I'm just along for the ride. <laughs> I understand. I'm in a crazy environment at the dealership, too. So I, I totally understand and feel your pain. Yeah, it's just, you know, you're just like, what the hell? Um, but I will say, I watched that Washington football team play yesterday. I am so, I am just excited for you guys. I truly am. Like, you know what? It's just, it's, it's, it's like one of those teams that you're just like, it's such a good, a good field team. So, um, and Ron Rivera, just what a fantastic coach. Uh, although, of course, you know, my Niners lost, but... That's okay. Um, but I watched the whole, uh, so I was like, oh my gosh, we're going to have to like, just, you know, go through this so fast with the hockey and be like, yeah, two losses and this and that. And then get you guys to just gloat about that oh, yeah. fourth win. That's oh, so yeah. fantastic. Definitely. Not enough <laughs> week versus the Cowboys. So, oh yeah, it's definitely uh, going to be interesting uh, week coming up. But uh, like I said, we got some interesting hockey. As you mentioned, the Capitals went 1-1-1 one, one, and one last week out of the three games. Two of the games, uh, yeah, I was a little heated about. And uh, me and Robbie, you know, we were talking after the game. But uh, let's, yeah. we, we're going to get it because, uh, yeah, we like we've seen tonight, uh, inability to hold the lead 
when they have a lead. We saw early yeah. in the season being able to lock it down, but you know we've seen other teams being able to push back and be able to you know get their game time goal and sometimes game winning goal. So yeah, we're definitely yeah. going to talk about some of the issues that we saw last week and hopefully uh be celebrating the Caps' victory tonight by the end of the third. I hope so. And again, I'm going to go off of of your TV because I'm sure I'm still in some sort of intermission or something. So we'll see what happens. But um, we will jump into the last week. Uh, Unfortunately, got to talk about that Florida game. Um, Although the positive, wait, wait, oh, no, okay, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, this is probably from 10 minutes ago and I'm like having my delay. Connor McMichael, love it. Um, opening the scoring at 5.52, assisted by Jensen and Orlov. Uh, Malenstein, who I'm just starting to think is like a favorite player of mine. I really, really, really am liking this kid. Um, he gets his first goal 11 seconds later, assisted by Leeson and uh, TVD, um, which is awesome. Panthers score to close out the first. Uh, second period, Lars Eller gets his second at 640. And Nick Jensen scores at 1240 uh, with assist by Haglin and Dowd. So now we're at a 4-1 Caps lead. Uh, and then we just kind of fell apart. And this was probably, this is one of those uh, WTF <laughs> moments where you're like, hey, we've got this and we only have one more period to go. And then all of a sudden the third period, all Panthers and uh, somehow the Capitals lose 5-4. Um, and if you start to look at the stats and the big frustration was a uh, big old time when it comes down to shots on goal. So you have Capitals in the first period, 12, Panthers 15, okay. And then 13 and nine, Okay. Third period, Capitals two, a Panthers 27. <laughs> um, what the hell? <laughs> this, was, this was just like a, I, I'm speechless. It's like, I, I think if I was a coach, I would have lost my shit in the locker room for sure on, uh, you know, that whole, um, you know, getting a little too comfortable with the lead and uh, letting things, uh, letting easy things uh, slide. And uh, I just was shocked. It was was a terrible game and I don't know what happened, but definitely in the third period, they fell apart. They did not play anywhere near 60 minutes of hockey. Uh, Pistol couldn't put together my true feelings about this game. (laughs) Uh, being up 4-1 going into the third. Okay, Florida is the top home team in the league. They just lost their first home game of the, I think, the game before. Um, but the fact that they had control of this game 4-1, to one, I didn't get a chance to watch it closely, but I was, you know, checking it out. And they had pretty much control of the game, but then Florida came out in the third, just like we saw Anaheim come out in the second and score nine seconds. They didn't score that fast, but you saw right. that Florida, you know, they were <clears throat> ready to make a push. They, you know, they coach, you know, got them right, got them ready to come out there. And, you know, they always say the most dangerous lead in a hockey game is a three-goal lead. And they mm-hmm. found a way to uh, to tie the game. 
And I was I was cool with that until they got the fourth goal in regulation and basically stole two points from the Capitals because I wouldn't have yeah. as long as I went to the overtime and get a point, cool. But the fact that they gave up four goals in the third and it was terrible. weren't able to get a point, that was yeah, that was ridiculous. I, I was yeah, I I was hot. I, I, I was upset after that because yeah. you know, there's no way that this team, how well they have been playing and how well well they have been, you know, keeping the shots down, only giving up, you know, a goal, what, 1.67 goals when they won that streak and then turn around and give up four goals in one period. Yeah, that, that's yeah. totally unacceptable. And uh, they definitely got to, you know, get back on track to what they were doing before when they were, you know, playing solid defense, playing in the stack of the neutral zone and – Getting the four, I haven't seen the four, the effective four check from this team in a few games now. So uh, they haven't been able to and throw their weight around like we're used to seeing them and wearing the teams down. And that's where they're getting this uh, push and getting a, a nice turnover. Ooh, oh, he just missed it. Had a nice turnover. He stole the puck, got a shot on, uh, got a shot off. And unfortunately, he was wide. And they're getting some pressure. Kuzi's behind the net, passes the OB against the wall. Uh, made a good defensive play on Anaheim to break up the play, force an offside. So the Capitals trying to get a little push to get the uh, get the lead back and earn a get the two so. points in this game. Uh, Robbie mentioned, you know, uh, you mentioned uh, earlier Wilson scored his hundredth career was well, hundredth career point or goal. I couldn't remember. What goal, it was. yeah. Hundredth career goal earlier to, to start the scoring off for this team, and he was involved in a fight where unfortunately momentum. Swung the other way, and that's when Anaheim would have got their two-goal push in like a two-minute span. And uh, we're just waiting for him. I, I have a feeling he's going to get an assist to Ovi for the game winning goal to get the goal to go to Ovi. I hope so. I oh my God! Would like, and that would just be you know, it, and go ahead <clears> and <throat> throw the assist and and get another Ovechkin goal. And I will say, I, I do apologize. I said. Uh, when I was talking about the uh, Malenstein goal, I mentioned TVD. I don't know why. TVR. I was talking about <laughs> Trevor Van Riemsdyk. Uh, so apologize for that. Um, but yeah, that game was terrible. Put it aside. I'm pretty sure uh, after seeing uh, post-game uh Body language, <laughs> we'll just put it that way. Uh, Laviolette was not happy, and it sounds like he just kind of ripped into the players, and uh, rightfully so. They, it was, it was a terrible. Shots on goal, twenty-seven versus fifty-one. I mean, come on, it was like that's just awful. Uh, so we'll see. But anyways, um, you want to talk about that Blackhawks game? I don't know if you saw it. Yeah, I saw that another game I was pissed off about because they uh, let's go ahead and talk about this Blackhawks game. Yeah, I know. I feel the same way. Uh, so I'll say the Caps welcome, uh, welcomes the Blackhawks. Um, man, so Chicago scores the only goal in the first, but I will say it was great to see Nick Dowd back in the lineup. Uh, and he scores his third with a tip in at 110. Chicago scores at 1257, uh, but Kuzi ties it up at 1731, assisted by Ovi. Uh, potential, absolutely. Excitement, 100%. And then I don't know what happened. Uh, third period, Hathaway scores um, just 57 seconds into the third period, followed by the Blackhawks tying it up 
at 11 uh, 56. Uh, were you there for the shootout? <laughs> yeah, I watched this shootout. It, there was a, let's just say there was a lot of posts involved in this game. Uh, it, it was the memes that came out afterwards, I would have to say, were pretty hilarious, where it was just, you know, like, uh, um, you know, the three stars of the game and it was like <laughs> gold pose from like different angles <laughs> and it's like I, you know what you're right because it was just like are you freaking kidding me yeah. uh shootout we had koozie mist sprung mist obi shusi it's a save and then here you go patrick kane nah like what else did they expect? And so of course he scores, uh, but I will say shots on goal in this one was a hundred percent even. They were 28 and 28 and 50% and 50% with the, with the face off. So this is like actually a really cool match that we only, I think are seeing them one time. Um, I think I would have liked to have seen us play this team again because because it kind of causes a little bit more of an excitement. Um, in regards to playing against like a, a Jonathan Taze and a Patrick Kane, but whatever. I don't obviously do the schedule. Nobody cares about my opinion. <laughs> um, but I think that this was the game that uh, truly kind of lit the fire under the Capitals going into the next game. Because this was uh, the first game was just kind of pathetic. <laughs> And then this game was, um, they tried, but they went up against an, an opponent that is damn good. And they, they could have won and they, and they didn't. So um, they got a little fired up. So when they ready to play the Blue Jackets, uh, we finally saw what we needed to see with the, with the Capitals. Yeah, I mean, Chicago has been playing better. They uh, started out, <clears throat> you know, not as everyone expected, you know, losing record. Flurry is yeah. definitely uh, improved. I mean, they said over the last, before that game, the last four games, he had like a 1.67 goals against. So if he was getting post like he was against us, I know why his goals against average went down. Because it right. was just crazy how many posts got hit in that game, in that third, and in the shootout, we had, what, two of them. And it's like, you know, like they say, it's a game of inches, but uh, just the fact that <laughs> they weren't able to you know, hold the lead against a team, you know, they're surging, they're playing better. They got some uh their players back that were injured. But yeah, yeah, you still have to be able to, you know, sustain that push and um not give that lead up. Luckily, you know, they were able to, you know, get a point because they had, a, had another game with uh no points. <laughs> I would yeah, I'd have definitely been ready to Turn my TV over probably God, like what is these guys doing? Where did this come from? You know, they were just running everything was going smoothly. And then all of a sudden, you know, we having these hiccups and they're not being able to hold on the leads like the caps look old, old. So uh, Right. Yeah, it definitely, you know, like you said, Live Left already had a reason to be pissed off the game before and then, you know, to give up, you know, uh, the lead several times against Chicago. And instead of losing the shootout, lose the two points, you know, yeah, cannot have that happen, especially at home. Absolutely. And uh, thank you, Robbie Gross. You are 100% correct. I was not looking at the future calendar that we do play um, Chicago one more time. 
um, coming up on the 15th. So I apologize. I don't know, like my, I feel like I'm just sort of, oh, hey, this is what it is. And then someone's be like, no, it's not. <laughs> so what are you talking about, Anna? Um, so thank you, Robbie. I appreciate it. That's why we need you here. <laughs> keep, keep me in check. Um, uh, what is it? So Carol, what's the time left for this game? Uh, still 7.35 left in the third, still tied up 3-3. Three, three. Okay. Uh, Caps uh, have possession of the puck. Oh, she's at the red line. Uh, just fumble the puck, was trying to get it in deep. But they turn it over at the red, at the blue line. Sherry comes in at the wing. Gets it to the point where Olaf winds up. Uh, he missed it wide. Running around, going back into the defensive zone for the Capitals. Regrouping Jansen. Jensen's behind the net coming out. Seven minutes left in the third. Nice pass to Kuzi. Oh, no, that's not Kuzi. I'm sorry. The line change is Hagland. It's Sprong. Uh, the line change on that. I didn't catch it. There's a stoppage of play. Puck went out of play. So, yeah, we're okay. trying to get this late goal in the third. Trivia question. You know, Alex Ovechkin has scored against 152 different goalies in his career. He is tied with two other players in NFL 7th in NHL history. Who are the other two players? Tamu Solani and Mike Hart. Hey, thanks, Joe B and Craig. I hope we got some <laughs> perfect time. Now let's get into the victory, uh, the lone victory yeah. the for the Capitals, their most impressive game of the week, definitely. Absolutely. Uh, Saturday evening, we have the Capitals playing the Blue Jackets. Here we go. Protus scores the only goal in the first, assisted by Schultz. Uh, fantastic on, uh, like, just really loving how much uh, Protus has just sort of made a name for himself uh, very, very quickly. Uh, 312 in the second. Here we go with Alex Oveshkin getting his 20th, assisted by Carlson, and his 750th overall. Like, I have nothing to say. I mean, truly, like, I am speechless on the, and, and I've said it at nauseum that we are watching history in the making, but wow, it is so awesome. And I love the fact that, you know, it, he's happy for like three seconds after he scores and hugs his teammates and then it's like back to work. You know, it, it, there's no over the top antics. Um, you just kind of have nothing but respect. I mean, God, it's amazing. Um, so going back to that, sorry. Almost so now we're up. <laughs> now he almost had 751 right there. He had to turn over and he wound up in the one. It just was off for the net a little bit. He, he's he's shooting when he getting when he's getting on his stick. He's trying to make something happen. Kuzi coming into the zone. Uh, he throw it in front. No one was there. <clears throat> Excuse me, Anaheim rewinding. Two on four. Capitals pretty much got it snuffed out. And got back fast on that one. Uh, so, yeah, it's five minutes left. Still tied 3-3. Three, three. So, whew, I just had to give that update. Ovi almost has yeah. 51. <laughs> no, please do. Like I said, my, I don't know, my cable is just so delayed. It's ridiculous. Uh, so, now we're up 2-0. Third period, Columbus scores their only goal. And then we have Garnet Hathaway scoring his seventh at 1833 with an empty netter. Um, 
Unfortunately, with this one, it was it was it was yes, a fantastic game, but that still that face off percentage was just uh, so cringeworthy. We're looking at sixty five point nine percent with Columbus and thirty four point one with the Caps. So it's just something that needs to be worked on uh, a weakness. But that seven hundred fifty goal. I just feel like that's just going to drive the team. And I love the fact that when Ovechkin is interviewed afterwards, he's like, yes, fantastic. I think I scored against that goalie's dad, which is like, uh, amazing. Um, and then he's like, okay, moving on. You know, it's just like, oh, I don't need to be the focus. It's about the team. And you just can't have uh, better sportsmanship or admiration for a player than than someone like uh, Ovechkin. So definitely loved this game. <laughs> Ovi, you know, you know how much I love Ovi. Uh, 750 goals in 1,222 games, second fastest behind Wayne Gretzky, of course. Yep. Um, he's, it's amazing what he's doing at the age of 36. He <laughs> has more points at this point in the season than he did at any point in his career. Right. Just think about this man scored 65 goals in the season. And now he's has more points than he had at any point of his career. That means he's becoming more of a complete hockey player. And he's still absolutely and he's still physical. He's still scoring. And now he's getting even better with the assists. It it's it's mind blowing what this guy is doing. I said on the show last night on at the bar radio and I was talking about Ovi. I like this man should be crowned the greatest DC sports athlete ever. Yeah. Ever. Oh, 100%. Yeah, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. But this game against Columbus, you know, Columbus, they uh, play a physical game like the Caps do, you know, Metropolitan you know, team. Uh, they pretty much dictated the pace throughout the whole game. Uh, right. You know, they did give up the goal. It was close to being a shutout. But it made it interesting going into the third and they pulled the goalie and they were able to, you know, get the empty netter. To secure the win, you know, a regulation win, get the two points, and that propelled them into the top spot in the Metro. Even though they had a 1-1-1 one, one, one week, they're still sitting in the top and second in the Eastern Conference. So it's, um, you know, it's just funny like that with all the parity and all the how tight the division is right now. But the, yeah. for the most part, the Caps are playing good hockey. You know, they, like we talked about a couple of weeks ago, we weren't expecting them to come out, you know, like they did. When the what, 15, 4, and 6, you know, who would have, you know, thought that? But they're playing some good hockey. It was 426 left in the third, and they're looking to get a late goal to secure the two points from this game. So, yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this team, you know, gets back together, especially with Nicky. They said that he's been uh, skating this week. Yeah. And uh, like I said, Dow, he's out for the COVID uh, protocol. Uh, Pathway Pathways out. Yeah. And uh, we I totally forgot about uh, Mantha with him having shoulder surgery. He'll be coming back hopefully, maybe around the All Star break or after the All Star break, maybe sooner. I'm not sure. But there are a lot of pieces that still, you know, aren't here. Key pieces, and the team is still, you know, doing what they're doing. So there's a potential for this team to, you know, get it together and, you know, go on a nice long run and you never know what might happen once you get to the playoffs. Absolutely. And I think that, that, um, a lot of the fans, including myself, were sort of like, Oh, what's going to happen going into the season with so many 
young players coming up, but I was always a big supporter of young players and vet players and how they how they mesh together um, and the guidance and the skills and the energy and, and all that kind of stuff. So I think that that's what I truly look forward to and I have not been disappointed with any of the, the new players um, for sure. And then of course we have the goalie situation. So, you know, hey, if Sammy's gonna prove himself, great. I'm okay. You know, I'm, I'm never going to say, uh, you know, he was terrible or whatever. I will say I had my doubts, but of course, um, you know, we'll see what happens. And I'm, yeah. I, okay. So body language was that for this game or was yeah, it for the end? They had a, a golden <laughs> opportunity off the face off and they're getting some pressure with three minutes left. They almost had to go. Oshi he uh, went hard to the net off a clean face off win. Uh, but they wasn't able to get it home, and the Caps had some pressure for a second, but uh, Anaheim was able to sustain, and uh, the Caps had the puck. Ran uh, number 52. I can't remember. That's one of the new guys. It's uh, That's the thing. They got so many guys. Yeah, I don't, I don't even know half of these guys, man. <laughs> uh, they're in, uh, in the offensive zone. Anaheim's coming out one-on-four, dumping it in deep. 2.44 left, Caps got possession, Olaf is coming through, uh, loses the puck in the neutral zone, uh, they recover, dumping in deep. Dottie uh, said it was offsides. Uh, 2.33 left, I guess it'll be coming back to the neutral zone. So yeah, the Caps, let's go ahead and get into the upcoming schedules. We get ready to get into sure the thing. football. Yeah, I see Dijanay is on, that's awesome. Um, Real quick, so obviously we have this game tonight. Uh, we did lose to Anaheim on 11-16 in overtime, so hopefully the boys rally uh, even without, you know, Garnet Hathaway with the COVID protocol. Um, Friday, Pittsburgh. Oh, boy. Uh, but you know what? It's a rivalry. It's at home, and I think the team's just going to – they're going to rally which I'm like, I don't feel so like eh, about <laughs> the Penguins as I used to. I think there are a couple other teams out there that are definitely showing uh, their skill and talent that we need to be more concerned about. Um, I'm a little bit concerned that the Friday game is home 7 p.m. against Pittsburgh, but then, uh, or excuse me, Friday against Pittsburgh, and then Saturday it is uh, at Buffalo. So, uh and not that it's like a huge, I mean, it's, it's just a New York flight, but still. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see what happens. And that's about where we're at right now. And I think that uh, at this point, we're just going to keep hoping that everyone is healthy, uh, playing as well as they are. I, I think at this point, I would really love nothing more, of course, than to see uh, Gordy Howe hat trick for... Uh, for Tommy, but I would love to see um, Vanacek get an opportunity to to win between the pipes because I feel like he is so defeated, and that's a terrible headspace to be in. So hopefully he can he can get there and get a win. Oh my God, if he got a shutout, that would just be fantastic. But let's just start with baby steps, um, and that's 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 it. So I'm I'm hoping for you know we're gonna rally in the next little bit. But again, like my TV is so delayed. Um, we got, uh, Pittsburgh, I, 
Like, Sorry, go ahead. Yes, it's under a minute left. We're like, uh, we're going to end up going to overtime. Uh, okay. Push. Oh, she's coming out. Coming through the neutral, got it into the zone, got a nice pass. Oh, he almost got it across. Ovi was uh, freaking down the other side and would have had a wide open net. Another shot on goal, deflected wide. Olaf pinches down. Got Eller taking a shot. Oshi in front and puts it between his feet. He couldn't get it clear. He tried to backhand. No one was there to get it in. Olaf's at the blue line. 21 seconds left. Vacated the zone. Jensen's at the Pass to Olaf. Olaf gets it in deep. Got Oshi against the wall. Anaheim's pressuring. Got the, got it against the back wall. Oshi shot from an all wide angle. Now you got Anaheim coming down with a minute second left, going to overtime. So yeah, perfect way to end the Caps talk segment. The Caps get a point going to, <laughs> going to overtime. They had a late push. Had a couple opportunities to try to get it in. They had the goalie scrambling, but weren't able to get it into the net. So they'll be going into overtime, three on three, and hopefully the Caps can get that point. And I'll let the folks know what you got going on with PowerPoint play this week coming up. Yep. So uh, PowerPoint, I know, like I'm now I'm like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> uh, PowerPlay Point podcast. You can hear us on Podbean and of course on um Probably the best thing to do, honestly, is to find us on Facebook because we're always looking for callers. Um, and, and that's awesome. And so it's just Gil and I, and we're on Sunday nights and we're just talking capitals. Uh, so, yeah, so that's just awesome. And thank you for the plug for that. Uh, looking forward to, gosh, I don't know. I don't want to say I'm looking forward to seeing Pittsburgh, but. Um, We'll see how the next couple of games go. I think tonight's going to be uh, a big mood setter for the rest of the week, and I think it can only get better. So let's just hope. I mean, I don't know. Like, I'd like to see a Jensen goal. I mean, like, there's just a couple of players that I'm like, come on. Um, and then, then, of course, for you guys, I hope for the Washington football team, like, you've got some good stats to talk about yes, and yes. you said they're playing dallas on the week oh, yes. on dallas, sunday dallas week dallas in first place washington in second place dallas is eight and four the washington six and six they played them twice in the next what three weeks and for the uh. for the division lead so yeah we got some lot of good things to talk about and uh from the last four games and looking forward to the upcoming game so yeah, hundred percent. Well, have a have a great show, and know that I'm totally pulling for you guys because as a Niners fan, we've always hated Dallas, so, <laughs> um, and that goes way back into the '80s. Uh, but yeah, so that's um, that's awesome. Dushne, have a great show, and I will talk to you guys next week. Let's hope for some W's on the on the Capitals end. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. All right, Anne, appreciate you taking the time out and let you go. You can catch the overtime. I'm going to be watching it and uh, see how it goes. <laughs> and uh, I'll talk to you next week. All righty. Take care. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Dujanair, you can come on then. We can get ready for this Washington football team talk. This great victory Monday, four weeks in a row. An impressive uh, victory on the road on a short week against the Las Vegas Raiders, uh, who have been playing, you know, in the AFC West and was, you know, in the fight trying to get their playoff position. Um, first drive coming out, scoring a touchdown, you know, 
I was talking in the pregame. I was speaking about the 15 scripted plays and, you know, how, you know, most teams can get the, you know, score on the first drive because they scripted it after that. They have problem making adjustments and boom, boom, boom. And we kind of saw that. We saw the running game. You know, we saw balancing and sticking with the game, uh, running game, and uh, opening up things in play action. Uh, we saw defense, you know, dictating the pace, holding down the Raiders who, you know, Derek Carr's leading was leading the league in uh passing with thirty four hundred yards averaging over and every time he scored over over three hundred yards they win and when they don't they lose. Well Washington kept that fact in check also. And it was just a good team victory, you know. They they, you know, played sixty minutes, they didn't give up. They uh, did what they had to do to win and for the second week in a row have a final score of seventeen to fifteen. That's kinda crazy. But I'm um, welcome in Dujanay to give some of his uh, quick insights on the beginning while I share this show to some of the Washington football groups and see what they have to say about this uh, glorious four-game winning streak heading into Dallas week with a huge game against the division-leading Cowboys that could really uh, get some momentum going for this team. Dude, Janae, how you doing tonight, brother? Doing great, man. Doing great. Of course, uh when Washington is win winning, business is good. So, um, you know, they look really consistent right now. That's a key word that we haven't been used to saying about this team. We seem to be consistently bad. We seem to be consistently inconsistent. So to actually see them being consistently good is something we're not used to. And a lot of fans still finding things to complain about, even though they're on a four-game winning streak and, you know, are in the fight for the division. And, you know, five weeks ago, they was talking about firing the coach and tearing the team apart and all this other stuff. So it's um, it's definitely good to see the progress, like I say, week by week. Once again, they uh, led in time of possession. They outrushed them. They had more plays than them. They held them down on a third down conversion. It was just a beautiful thing to see, especially on the road, this team being able to, you know, Deal with you know the injuries, deal with you know a couple of crazy things happening in the game, and still being able to keep their composure and find a way to win on the road. That's that's a testament to coaching. That's a testament to the guys taking it serious and about being about their business. And that's what it's all about. Absolutely. Um, you know, shout out to the fans. Like, oh boy, that there's a lot of burgundy in in the Death Star. Um, you know, I love that stadium, by the way. Uh, it's a it's a cool-looking stadium. Um, but the Washington fans turned out in the Death Star. Um, you know, the, I think it was like the first score uh, to see all of the burgundy and gold all around. I was like, wow, that, you know, got, you know, fans turned out for this game. Um, and I know a lot of my colleagues are, are uh, also pushing for fans to turn out uh, for FedEx and uh, not allow too many of those um, – blue and, and and white and you know all that them them star jerseys to be uh littered all over fedex um and there's something to be uh you know something to turn out for um four game winning streak and i know a lot of people you know there's always something to complain about that's uh, for some people um but this here is a statement win it's also a character building win um and I say that because sometimes you're gonna have these games where they're, they're you know they're ten to six, they're thirteen 
to nine, um, you know, 17, 15 here, you're going to have to gut out and grind out some wins. Um, you know, they, they came out, scored seven, uh, really wasn't, it wasn't a really a fact that they were able, unable to get things going. You just got to give the Raiders defense credit. Got to give credit where credit is due. And both defenses really made some adjustments. They did some things uh, when they needed to have them uh, to stop each other's offenses. And then there were times where we saw both defenses kind of give up the ghost a little bit, playing a little bit off uh, as far as the secondary is concerned. You see some confusion, linebackers getting caught out of position and the ball moving down the field accordingly. Um, it's just nice to see the Washington football team come out on the side of a win. I wouldn't have been mad if they lost this game for the simple fact that I think these are the type of games you have to win. But when you win them, it really does help the overall like character of this football team. You know what I mean? It, it gives them something to allow to uh, establish that they can do pretty much anything. And sometimes, like I said, you're going to have to win these close games. You're going to have some gutty, gritty games that you're not going to put up a lot of points. You're going to move the ball, and sometimes you're just not going to put up the touchdowns and, and the necessary things that you want to put up. But your defense grinds it out, guts it out, uh, continues to get the ball back for you. And, you know, you have to like Washington really taking a lot of time off the clock when they in a lot of spots when they had the ball. Um, and that was helpful. Um, and this is really a building, a building block that now can catapult them into this tough stretch of the season uh, where they're going to be facing um, a lot of their, their uh, NFC East foes. So um, I, I don't think anything better could have happened uh, on Sunday. Um, We've seen uh, there's a lot of stuff that that just we haven't seen with this football team, and uh, it's pretty exciting to watch the uh, growth and uh, maturation process uh, continue um, as they continue to learn. Um, I think my favorite spot in this game was uh, Taylor Heineke uh, takes an unnecessary shot, uh, and the offensive line didn't think that was too kosher, uh, and they let the Raiders defense know that, um, you know, it's time, it's time to play with a little attitude. Um, and it shows that these guys uh, are behind Taylor, but it also shows that these guys are, are playing together as one and they're playing for each other. And uh, that's, that's very important. But the most important part is that they have a lot of momentum coming into a, a you know, a very, a very important game for fans, and uh, as it comes down to division and rivalry of of this these two teams, uh, they have a lot of momentum coming into uh, this game. And, and you know, being that the Cowboys to me are are a fickle team that are, are Jekyll and Hyde, and I really don't think what you saw last week from them is really their true identity. I think they're somewhere in the middle. Um, but uh, yeah, what a what a weekend! What a weekend for uh, Washington football team fans. Oh, yeah, it's definitely going to be uh, huge with the game uh, against the Cowboys next week. We definitely want to talk about that towards more of the end of the segment. I'm going to go over, as always, go over these numbers because numbers do mean a lot. They don't mean everything, but they do mean a lot. And uh, 
just a quick update on the Cavs game. Uh, they've gone to the shootout. Anaheim has a shootout goal. Capitals missed their attempt. So looking not looking good for the Capitals in overtime right now. But um, getting back to the victory Monday, Heineke was 23 for 30, 196 with two touchdowns, one interception. Derek Carr was 28 for 38, 249. No touchdowns, no interceptions. Antonio Gibson, 23 carries, 88 yards with a 3.8 yard average. Josh Dacre, 13 carries, 52 yards with a 4.4 yard average and a touchdown. Logan Thomas, who we're definitely going to talk about in his injury, season into injury. Uh, luckily, uh, I've read reports that it wasn't as bad as uh, it is not. Thought. They thought it was ACL and MCL. But uh, apparently it's not as bad as they thought it was. And with the timetable for the return isn't as lengthy as they thought it would be. Uh, he had three catches for 48 yards, 16-yard average with a touchdown. Uh, Hunter Renfro had nine catches, 102 yards, and 11.3-yard average for the Raiders. Uh, team stats, yards, the Raiders gained 310. Washington gained 289. First downs, Las Vegas had 22. Washington had 23 third down conversions. Washington was seven for 13, which is impressive for the offense. I went over numbers in the, of the pregame. I believe they only had 34%, 36% for the season. So, you know, being above 50% is always a good thing. And the Raiders were the lowest rated third rate, uh, third uh, down percentage team on defense. So, like I said, something had to give. And the Redskins off the uh, Washington football team offense didn't let us down. And the defense held because the Las Vegas Raiders uh, went two for eight on their third downs. There were no fourth down conversions in the game. Uh, Washington had 112 yards rushing and held Vegas to 76. Uh, Washington had 186 passing yards. The Raiders had 234. And time of possession. Washington had the ball for 33 minutes and 43 seconds. And Vegas had it for 26 minutes and 67 seconds. Which, as I always say... Time of possession means you're wearing the opponent down, you're running the ball, and you have the ball, and you're letting your defense get rest and not being worn out like we've seen our offense do the other team lately. So, I mean, we're seeing uh, the, the maturation of the coaching staff, of the players, and the execution has been very <laughs> impressive from this team, especially with the way the season started. And, uh, Got to take your head off of Del Rio after losing Sweat and Young and, you know, making the adjustments. And, you know, we're seeing more stunts. We're seeing more twists. We're seeing more pressure. And, you know, just folks that are still hating on Collins, you had to notice this difference of him not being out there yesterday because when he was out there. It's a huge Robert, difference. Yeah, there, there weren't <laughs> any. I didn't remember seeing any missed tackles. Yesterday, man, they were grabbing that air and, you know, not wrapping up and, you know, doing things that we hadn't seen in the last couple of weeks. But, you know, Jamin Davis, I want to give him a shout out. He made some misplays and he also made some plays. Some folks were complaining and talking about, you know, he's a bust. I keep on repeating, he was a one-year starter. He has the athletic gifts and skills to be to play the position, but he's still developing. So he's going to make some mistakes and he's going to make some plays. It's not going to be perfect, but we found the way. Just the same way the Washington Capitals just found a way to win the shootout four to three and to get the two points from the Anaheim Ducks. So good to see the Caps be able to get those two points after they gave them up when they were out Anaheim last time. So yeah, that was a perfect segue, perfect time. 
So, uh, Dujanae, from this offense, we've seen Heineke improve week by week. We saw an interception. I don't know what he was looking at. I think they said the ball might have got tipped. I think that's what it was. Because it looked like the ball was tipped. His arm was hit, actually, All right, um, in that one. Okay. Well, he's been playing, you know, pretty clean football. He's been, you know, like I said, he had to turn over. Last week he had an unfortunate turnover. So, I mean, for the most part, you know, he's been taking care of the ball. He's been making great decisions. He's been protecting himself, you know, sliding when he needs to, getting out of bounds when he needs to. And, you know, for the most part, he's been playing some headsy football. What's what's your impression of this uh, on this four-game winning streak and how this team, this offensive team has been dominant? Uh, how, what's your impressions of this team going forward into the this, excuse me, this five-game stretch against division opponents that can, you know, they control their own destiny if they can continue to stay hot and win these games. They could go on into the playoffs as the division winner for back-to-back for the first time in the NFC East since what 2000? What they say seven or eight? Yeah, um, I like Taylor a lot. Uh, I like his attitude. Um, I like his moxie. Uh, I know a lot of people could, you know, trying to talk about him sailing balls high. Well, I, I'm gonna wanna break down something for you, okay? Now, there's at times he does have some balls that are high. Um, that throw he comes out that he breaks out some Houdini magic that he does again gets out there, uh, throws it and throws it high uh, to Logan Thomas. Now you're gonna say that that ball was high, right? Well, if you're paying attention, there is a linebacker or a safety or corner that is below underneath Logan Thomas. Now, if he sells that, if he throws that thing the way it should be as a dart, he's going to jump and pick that off. The under guy is going to take it. So he had to get it over that guy, but get it high enough to where his guy can make a play and only his guy can make a play and it doesn't get picked off on the backside of that. So it's a tough throw. It was a tough throw on the run. I he put the ball where it should have been, and Logan Thomas just had to come down with it. You know what I mean? It's just one of those things. And often you'll find that you'll think that Taylor's throwing a high ball, but he's really putting the ball where it needs to be so that it doesn't get picked off. Now, that pick that he threw, if you go back and watch it, I mean, all you had to do was see the replay. Uh, you know, you may have been too busy complaining about the fact that he threw a pick to see the instant replay, but his arm was hit. And if he, if he had, his arm wouldn't have been hit, he likely would have hit a deep ball because they were breaking down. They, they he had it. They, they had the, they had the route. Mm-hmm. And I believe that, that I'm going to go with Scurry Curry to make the play. So, um, you know, if he doesn't get his arm hit, I think he makes that play. But I like the, what Taylor's doing. I think, you know, what's so awesome about him is that this guy, it seems like when when the pressure's on and, and and they're collapsing the pocket and he gets he gets out of some, you know, with some magic and gets out of some would-be sack and makes a play or he takes a shot and makes a play, the dude just – gets even more hype and more hype and more focused and just more just willing to just, he's going to gut you (laughs) every chance he gets. It's insane. And when he takes off and makes a play with his legs and gets a big first down, it's like it just fires him up. It fuels him. 
Um, and I like what, you know, and the, the team is truly feeding off of that too. Uh, the way the offensive line is playing uh, is is remarkable. I need Sheriff to stop doing the boneheaded stuff, though, man. You're like a pro bowler, dude. Like, these weak, all, these weak false starts are jokes. Like, do something that's worth getting a penalty over. Like, that's not worth getting a penalty over. Um, but I, I'm loving it. I'm loving what they're doing. And it, this balance has to stay this way. Um, and I really think they can they have the ability to mix some things up with what they're doing. You see Dami Brown getting involved. Um, you know, you see all these different uh, wide receivers getting opportunity. Humphrey's now starting to get involved in the offense. And I think that's helpful when you can throw it around to several different guys. And it's given Terry an opportunity to make those big plays when they are there and uh, make them count. So um, I believe what's the guy's name? Carter. Uh, who's also the returner, that dude's, he's another guy that's a threat to um, But these guys are balling out for him, and um, this is what you want. Um, you know, is he the long-term solution? You know, I've said this time and time again, I'm not sure. I think he gets that opportunity, whether you decide to draft. Um, obviously, I'm on the side of if you've got a guy like Russell Wilson's caliber that's out there, you can't just sit up there I'm not for a mortgage in the future, though. Let's get that straight. I'm not for that. But if you're going to be able to get a guy like that for a decent price, then I think you do that. Um, other than that, though, he's definitely a guy that can start for you. And let's be real. You don't get rid of him, even if you were to able to get a MVP caliber. I don't want to say like Aaron Rodgers, but you know what I'm saying? A top, top five quarterback top 10 quarterback in this league he's definitely a backup and you're going to find out this year that teams are going to start uh you know doing a better job of drafting backup quarterbacks because we talked about this there ain't 60 there are not 32 backups in this league that are even worth being backups okay so um i think they're in a good spot i like what they're doing offensively it seems like uh Scott Turner is starting to find his niche and get his groove. He makes some – he throws some screens in there when I, I understand what he's trying to do, but they just don't – that's just not what you needed right there. But I'm not going to argue too much. Um, I think he's doing a hell of a job uh, in these last uh, four games. And if they can keep this up, man, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun getting towards the end of the season because, let's face it, the teams that they're facing – in this five-game stretch, outside of the Cowboys, you don't know who the Eagles are. The Giants are meh. Um, and so they have an opportunity to take advantage of some things. And I understand the Giants are meh, but they seem to be all-world when they play the Washington football team. So we'll see how this all, all shakes out. But um, they're in a good spot right now. And uh, it's exciting to watch watch them play. Yeah, with those screens, I think the screens were well called. I just think that Gibson sometimes doesn't have the patience to wait out his blocks. Like we saw when he had the one early in the season, the 75 yard when he broke, he had the patience to wait for the blockers to set up. That one that uh, one of the ones yesterday, if he would have just had a little bit more patience and wait for that block to set up and cut inside, he'd have been gone to the races. So he's, yes. mixing, yeah, he's yes. mixing it in there. Because uh, he, like you said, he's setting his play. Now he's starting to set his plays up. And then once something starts working and then they go to the run blitz, that's when he wants to pull the screen out 
to the wide receiver or to the running back. Just you know, no more tight end screens. I'm tired of that shit. Nah, we don't have we don't have a blistering tight end out there. He, he, you know, you don't have no Tony Gonzalez out there. Yeah, so so <laughs> we don't need to be doing that. Yeah, I definitely like what he's doing. I definitely like that he's sticking yeah. to the running game over the last four weeks. Antonio Gibson has the most uh, carries of any running back in the NFL. He's actually leading the NFC in rushing yards right now. So, but give Gibson some credit too. Um, it seems like in that first game of the four of this four game stretch, there's been a different style. There's been an attitude adjustment. Like this dude's running with on me. Um, like like JD McKissick type running, and he sticks his foot in the ground. He's running to, he's looking to like hurt somebody. Um, he looks, he has the, the quickness. He's hitting the hole with the quickness. He looks quick in the hole, and when he's getting in there, man, he's he's giving, he's physical. He's being very physical. Um, it's definitely been a change uh, the way that he's uh, you know he's played. I don't know if JD's going to be back, but man. Give the ball to Wendell Smallwood some more. I mean, we all know what Wendell Smallwood can do. Um, he gutted up Washington a couple times with the Eagles. Uh, I like what that guy brings to the table, and uh, he definitely could be a guy that you can use in the screen and gadget game um, as well. But uh, they're they're set, man. I man, it's just it's wild to think what we were looking at earlier in the season, the first quarter of this season. Per, per se, May first two quarters, and to see what we're looking at right now is just it's 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 amazing. But um, again, it's a testament to uh, good coaching and um, guys finally buying in and getting what they're being coached to do, um, and they're growing. So that's a good thing. Definitely, that's why that's you know the way I see it. The way you know took them a little while to figure things out and get it together, but, you know, they're getting, like I said, it's a marathon, not a sprint. They're getting hot at the right time. They're figuring things out at the right time. And, you know, folks, uh, you know, were complaining about the five division games at the end of the year, and I feel that that could be a good thing, because depending on how the season goes, you're still in it. Those games are going to mean something, and depending on how the other teams have been playing, you know, it's going to be interesting five weeks in the season, so... Yep. You never know what's going to happen, especially with the NFC East. And uh, this team has been playing, you know, lights out the last four weeks. You know, nobody's giving them a chance. Everybody's going against them. And I forgot to tweet out earlier. But uh, Mr. Cowboy himself, Michael Irving, out of three of the last four weeks on NFL Network, he's went against the Washington football team as his lock of the week. <laughs> I think that lock is broken, bro. And he was already hyping up the Cowboys this week for the you know the huge matchup next week. He was you know play. he a homer. Yeah, he I can't help he it. He can't the, help the, it. The fact that you're picking other teams to go against us and making them the lock that we're definitely going to lose. I hope he makes it the lock of the week this week for the guy Cowboys versus the Washington Football Team. Cause that yeah, means, I hope it's he does be a too. Guaranteed win. Hope he's the hope he's that lone wolf too. He can howl, he can howl all he wants, and then then he can eat that big big slice, that big slice of humble pie. Yeah. He's been eating it for four weeks. Yeah, I can't wait to, I can't wait to see what this team does. The media is going to react to them, you know, if they beat the Cowboys, five game winning streak, 
got to give them some type of credit. They're not giving the Washington football team any credit. They're, they're no, nah, not as much as they should be. Yeah, they're playing. Down. I mean, honestly, yeah, it, it it's sad. They had a two minute segment on NFL Network today, and all they showed, the only thing they showed with the Washington football team was Johnson hitting the the field goal. To field goal. Yeah, <laughs> I was. Yo, like, it's pretty. It's pretty disgusting. Really, it really is. Okay. <laughs> it's expected, man. It's expected, uh, and that's cool though, because that means that the football team, and I don't think Rivera's going to even allow his guys to be doing that, but they can't be reading the clippings and, oh, yeah, and listening yeah. to uh, you know all the positive talk. So um, they can still have that little chip on yeah, their shoulder as they continue down the stretch. So yeah, that's true. important. That's important to have. Yeah, the defense has been playing better. You know, I'm still waiting for them to start getting some more turnovers. But they've been getting off the field on third down. You know, the week before they had five straight three and outs. You mentioned they went two. Uh, well, defense went six for eight on third down conversions this past week. Even with, you know, Landon Collins being out. You had Jamin Davis, you know, making some plays. You had Cole Holcomb making plays in coverage. Now, that man's yeah. not making plays in coverage. Yeah, that man going to be pro, uh, all, all pro linebacker in this league because he's already quality on the run game. He's already quality on the tackling. Now, if he can start covering these tight ends and running backs, man, yeah, we got to steal him in the fifth-round pick. No bull. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Um, you know, it, it's pretty remarkable uh, what this defense has done and the transformation they have made. I mean, right now, Washington – is third overall in opponents rush yards per game only allowing on the 2021 season they're allowing 91.3 yards per game and this three game stretch last three games they've allowed 73.7 yards per game and they only allowed 76 in this previous game um against a, a really quality you know running back um they're the third down conversion or, or, you know, conversion opponents, third down conversion rate has uh, significantly gone up. Um, we talked about it. It was in the 30s. They were down 30, uh, two, 32nd in the league uh, in that department. And they're still 32nd in the league in that department as far as uh, opponents, third down conversions. But they're, they're at 50 percent. Uh, you know, they were at 50 percent for the 2021 season in their last three games. They, they've only allowed a 27.57% conversion rate by their opponent. And in on Sunday, they only allowed a 25% third down conversion rate. Um, and if you, you put that in the last three games, Washington is third overall in third down, opponent's third down conversion rate uh, behind Kansas City and the game that is on tonight, the New England Patriots. Um, and, uh, that's pretty impressive. And in their last one as of right now, um, you know, this game is not final. So these stats for the new England Patriots will be adjusted, but they are number one in, in their last, uh, and going back to just last Sunday with the 25% conversion rate, uh, Kansas city only allowed 28.57, uh, on Sunday night. So that's pretty impressive. This defense uh, is amazingly uh, doing well. And, and to, allow, to allow what they allowed at that 25%, they were missing Landon Collins. Now you have a linebacking core that really struggled, uh, that was out there, that really has struggled in coverage. Um, they've kind of struggled at times in 
making sound tackles in the run game. I thought that was an area where they were they were missing some uh, tackles uh, during the game, uh, this game as well. Uh, but they they also when they didn't make plays they recovered and made plays and like you said Cole Holcomb making plays in the passing game uh, is pretty impressive uh, and it, it's a possibility they could get um, uh, it is Montez Sweat possibly get him back um, not sure if he's going to be at practice but that's a possibility um, they're hoping to get Landon Collins back that's a possibility so they can get a few guys back. Um, and, and especially landed in this defense. Um, I, I really, I, man, they, they might be able to start. They might be able to get some turnovers this week. Uh, we know Dak has been pretty good at uh, giving a few uh, to the opposing team this year. So, um, yeah, it, this defense has been impressive, very impressive. And in the areas that we complained about, uh, they have made a 360-degree turn uh, in that department. Yeah, it all comes down to the game planning with Del Rio. Uh, the one thing that I love during the bye week, Coach said that we're reevaluating every player and every coach game plan and schemes that we use. So he, you know, he went in there, did what they had to do, had the conversations, had the tough talks, and told them basically, you know, we're going to get this thing together. And that's what they've done week in and week out since the bye week. And what you mean preparing during a bye week? What? <laughs> yeah. Who would have thought we're not out had... partying and getting drunk yeah. on a bye week? Hitting we're preparing? Yeah, hitting what? young ladies at the bar. Yeah, none of that. They were actually doing, <laughs> you know, doing football stuff and actually doing, you know, learning from their mistakes and not being so much of an egomaniac to admit that, okay, we have some flaws, we're going to fix it, and we're going to be better for it. And that's what we're seeing from a true football coach and a true football team with a man that doesn't mind having folks that have, you know, as much football knowledge or more football knowledge than him around. You know, you have yeah, to be it's impressive, to, man. You have to be able to learn and have to be able to adapt to the situation. And that's what he's doing. He's adapted, you know, got landing the glue down to the box. You got Cam Curl, who's a playmaker out there, you know, making plays week in and week out. You know, you got the uh, pieces in. You got Kendall Fuller back, Bobby McCain. We've seen week in and week out these guys making plays. McCain had a pick against Brady. Fuller had to pick on the two-point conversion last week to stop the, you know, so it wouldn't be a tie game. So we're seeing all the pieces come together. William Jackson, folks were complaining about before. You ain't heard, heard, heard his name called in four weeks. You know why? They're running more man coverage because that's what that man does. Ain't been no penalties. Ain't been no blown coverage. Ain't been no long bombs on him. Why? That's what he does in Cincinnati, man. Exactly. That dude was a beast in Cincinnati, and they finally got him playing the way that he plays exactly. and what is his strength, and he's doing an excellent job. That's what it's all about. See, only folks want to talk about the players when they make mistakes, but they don't want to give them shout-outs when they're doing what they're supposed to do. And the front four, you know, getting pressure. Ioannidis got a sack. Uh, Allen, uh, Allen getting pressure up the middle. Payne doing his thing. Uh, the Two ends, uh, shot to Tony when he's got in there. Two Hill, uh, uh, Smith, uh, what is it? Uh, Smith, what? Well, I can't remember. I forget it. Smith's, yeah. I can't forget his other yeah, it's last name. Maybe. Smith, Williams, <laughs> or William Smith. It's, it's, it's just the depth and the talent that's on this team is uh, is showing through. And, you know, if we get swept back, that'd be great. You know, Chase is gone for the season. You know, Logan is gone. 
Then you got John Bates, the rookie. He's stepping up, making plays. Hopefully, Ricky Seals Jones will be back. Uh, then you got yeah. uh, uh, Samus, uh, Samus Reyes. He's been out there getting some go. I don't, haven't seen him really make any catches, but he's been in the two tight end uh, packages, especially yesterday once Logan was out. So the, the depth is showing through the talent and, you know, the leadership from the coaches that had these guys ready when it's their time to go in. I mean, we were down to our fourth center, you know what I'm saying, and, you know, still playing good ball, still running the ball, still, you know, controlling the line of scrimmage. And Sheriff, I can tell you, I'm done with him. Bye. Bye. Don't give him no more money, no more franchise tags. Send him on the good pack, and I'm done with him. $18 million, he plays 11 games in the season and, and, and gets five five penalties at the wrong time. Uh, he's a talent, but he's not, to me, he's not worth more than $18 million a year. If he didn't take that contract, then let him walk. Schweitzer, he'll be back. You know, we got depth at the guard position. Have a battle at the training camp, and the best man plays. And just like now, the next man up, if he doesn't affect us, Bring somebody else in. Eric Flowers been playing good to the left guard, you know. Gotta do what we gotta do, but yeah, I'm ready for that dude to be gone, man. God, he he reminds me of a certain quarterback, a stat pattern quarterback that gave Detroit their first victory yesterday. You know, right? Oh, Mr. Curtis Kirk Kirkus Cousins. Uh huh, this guy that went to a team that was at the NFC championship game, robbed them of ninety million dollars guaranteed and ain't sniffed the championship game since he's been there. When you have one of the top wide receivers leave your team and go to Buffalo, that should tell you something. It wasn't our organization. We told you once and we told you again. Kirk Cousins was the problem. It wasn't the organization. He's a nice guy. Yeah, he's a nice guy to know how to play the game. That's why I can't wait. I spoke about yesterday on After Bar Ready. What are you going to touch me? I know a room's waiting in the wings, and I got to mention my boy RG3 in his book. So I can't wait for him to drop some of them nuggets about the old. Mr. An- Mr. Anonymous Source himself. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I can't wait either. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and hit on that, this Logan Thomas thing. Go ahead. Look, I, I've, I've looked at this play repeatedly, like, since yesterday. Yeah, all these people talking about a tackle box. I, I went and looked through the rule book. That, that's, this is how and I, I – yeah, there's, there's rules in there about a tackle box. But when you watch Logan Thomas – uh, you know, there's a tight end box, there's a tackle box. He comes in to where the where the lot where the lineman are. He's clearly making a block. Now, he didn't have to make a block because there was nobody there. But to to go that low on someone was uncalled for. And to me it was a flag. It was definitely a dirty play. I don't want to hear anything about that. It, it, it's a it's a it's a tough game and it's a violent game. Yeah, I know, but that's clownish. Like he was just making a block. I mean, so that means that it, because he's in the tight end box, that basically you're telling me that I can go cut somebody like that at any point in time. And I can tell you right now, I don't care. Tight end box don't apply when he's worked his way back in where the center is on that play. He's in the lineman box. The last time I checked, you can't cut a lineman like that. Cause they got flagged for at all. Last week. They got flagged for last week. Yeah. Uh, at all. So I, I don't understand this whole tackle box. Below the waist is one thing, but it was clearly a knee target. He went low, low. Not waist low, low, low. And I thought that the NFL also had a target zone 
mm-hmm. where you supposed to be doing all this stuff at. See, I, I hear y'all throwing around a lot of stuff because you heard some jack wagon on TV repeat some garbage. But I can tell you right now, I went and did the research. I went and looked at all that little amendment and article this and that. And to me, the crap don't add up. When you look at the play, if he was out there still out there as a tight end, you telling me he can get away with that, but you can't do that in the trenches? That's just wild to me. But since you want to think that that's the case, go back and look at the play. He works his way inside. He's way inside of that tight end box. He's in there by the center and guard on on the left side and gets mowed down at the knees. It's a trash play. And old boy didn't even try to attempt to make a block. He went immediately low to cut Logan. That's all I'm going to say. But it's trash. That play is trash. He should be fine and suspended. Because if you're allowing that, if I'm a coach, it would have been the very next play I'd have cut his behind. Exactly like he cut my play. Simple as that. If it's legal. And we all know that ain't legal. So I want to see something done. Fortunately enough for Logan, it's not a complete tear. They're doing more evaluations, but the the, uh, initial news is a lot better than what was initially thought. But there's no reason why this man should be going through this at all. He was clearly trying to make a block. He wasn't even a part of that play. He was not a wide receiver on that play. He was a blocker. So it's a violent game. Absolutely, it's a violent game. But you're also a scumbag if you do crap like that inside the tackle box and no daggone well you ain't supposed to be cut blocking nobody yeah, yeah in the story it was a dirty play i went back and looked at it myself and it, like he just went straight for it like he like he had a problem with him he was trying to be dirty and shit. it looked like a dirty play to me so we'll probably see him get fined tomorrow i thought if they're going to give him suspension but they're probably you'll see the letter come out oh after reviewing the film and reviewing the tape this was a you know a legal play and we're going to find and that's probably all it's going to amount to if it was somebody you know on another team or tampa bay then yeah they made a big deal out of it but being a washington football team you already know they're going to sweep it under the rug yep so i like i said terrible it was terrible it was ugly and I, to me it was a little bit of get back because they got penalized for for old boy uh picking up heineke and driving him into the ground I know people don't act like that's an unnecessary roughness call. Well, you pick a quarterback up and you drive him into the ground, you WWE, like, slam him into the ground, that's a wrap, son. That's a flag every time. That De'Ron Payne uh, one was not a rough in the passer call. Just saying. We see worse than that. Exactly. You know how it is. I'm not even going to get it. Yep. I ain't get into it either. I, you know, I just want to clear that up. I, I'm tired of, I'm tired of this tight end box crap. I, I ain't got time for that. I, I went back and did the research. You might want to do that yourself. I, I don't mind even sending you the pages uh, of the rule book. So I, I, you know, it don't matter to me. But I'm gonna tell you right now, that was trash, and that should have been a flag. Period. I totally agree, man. You might want to go ahead and post it on your page. Just tell me, shut up, man. <laughs> But uh, let the folks know what you got going on. I know I got the NBA roundtable waiting in the wings to talk about 
the Wizards week that was and the loss they took tonight, 116 to 110 to Indiana, dropping into 14 and 11. Uh, yeah, I definitely got a statement to drop before I pass it over to them because uh, I've been noticing some things since Bradley Bill has come back that his team hasn't been playing as effective as they were before. So I got a question for the round table, definitely about that right there. We'll let the folks know what you got going on and coming out this week there, bro. Yeah, we're going to talk a little bit uh, about the Washington football team and this Dallas Cowboy matchup um, on the Not Bland show. Uh, I'm also going to talk a little bit about this Wizard stuff uh, as well. Uh, I'd like for you to ask them from me, Carol, uh, why is it that Bradley Beal, when he is not hot, can't understand that he needs to give the ball to those folks that are hot because he's messing up the rhythm. That's all I'm going to say on that. Um, but that's what we got going on. We're hoping that we'll have another uh, breakdown show uh, maybe this week, likely next week. But um, that's about it. You know, it's kind of – I'm kind of winding down. It's my offseason uh, after the NHRA is over. Uh, do a little covering of football, but it's my fun time. So I, I don't go too hard in the paint, uh, but I love coming on and uh, contributing here uh, with you, Carol. And uh, I appreciate it, man. You guys can follow me at NotBland21. Love talking shot with you guys. Um, and uh, again, Carol, appreciate you having me on. Hey, man, no problem. Appreciate you taking the time, man. Enjoy. And I'll holler back at you in a little while, man. Take it easy. Alright, brother. Alright. Now go ahead, DC's people champ. I know Arun is in the building. I know we got Tim in the building also. I know you heard Dujane with uh his question. And yeah, I mean I'm gonna piggyback off of that. That's one thing I said I noticed since Bill has been back, I haven't seen the same defensive intensity. I haven't seen he ain't seen the same hustle. I haven't seen the same forty eight minutes of play. So uh I mean Sometimes they say, you know, addition by subtraction, you know, when players come back, chemistry gets thrown off. I'm just wondering, is this going to fix itself in, you know, games once everybody figures out their role, their minutes and all of that? Or do you think this is going to be a continuing issue for this team trying to get Bill on the, I guess, same page or get him, get them playing like they were playing before? Because I don't see the same team I saw earlier in this season. Yeah, no, DJ asked a very good question that about that. And I, I feel like Bill, Bill might be still be affected by the fact that, you know, he lost his grandmother recently. And so that might be what's affecting him and stuff like that. But I think once he can kind of push through that, I think he'll be fine. But uh, appreciate the question and appreciate you, Carol, for, for this. And everybody who's watching, thank you for joining us. This is the Wizards Roundtable. Uh, I am your special guest host for this uh, segment, DC's People's Champ, uh, sitting in for Brian Brennan, who is taking the week off, and he will definitely be back next week. Uh, I am also joined by the rest of the Roundtable. Of course, we have our own Tim Clark. Tim? How you feeling, man? I know yesterday was a letdown, my guy, but how you feeling, bro? Uh, not not too great. Not good uh, for the Wizards tonight either. But uh, I mean, hey, things could be worse. You know, still breathing, so got to look at the bright side. That is very true. That is very true. Yeah, sorry about the loss yesterday, bro. I was rooting for you guys all the way. And of course, we have our stats guy himself, the one and only Arun Bhattacharya, with his uh, Sheba in the background. Arun, how you doing, my brother? 
not bad. Not a great Wizards week, but hopefully they can bounce back. Absolutely. It was not a very good Wizards week. Only one at home and three on the road, and they are currently in the midst of a three-game losing streak after tonight. We will we are about to talk about those four games, and we will begin that talk with that win over the Minnesota Timberwolves on uh, last week. They won one fifteen to one oh seven. It started off the first quarter; they finished with a tie at twenty four twenty four. But then the Minnesota Timberwolves were able to take advantage and gain a four point lead at fifty seven to fifty three at the half with a thirty three. 29 second quarter but then the Wizards in the second half turned it on 38-31 in the first in the third quarter and then 24-19 in the fourth to finish it off with an eight point victory uh for the Wizards Bill did have 19 points uh KCP had 14 uh Gafford had 18 points and 10 rebounds for a double double and Montrez Harold off the bench with 27 points in 21 minutes he was unstoppable against the Minnesota Timberwolves on the Timberwolves side uh carl anthony towns had a double double 34 points and 10 and 10 boards uh anthony edwards he contributed 25 in the, in the loss as well and it was just it was a really good matchup and a really good win for the wizards so i'm gonna start with tim tim how did you feel about this game and the performance especially by harold uh off the bench yeah harold um had a really bad game in san antonio it was kind of crazy how lifeless and lacking energy he was and the whole team really feeds off of off of his energy and i think when he comes in um on off the bench he really sparks the second unit and he played an amazing game um also bertans had one of his uh few good games this year which is great to see because he's been hurt and out and they really need his scoring off the bench but I was kind of worried about this game just because the Timberwolves were ahead a lot of the second half. And um, Towns played really, really good on the offensive end uh, once he got going. But, uh, you know, they, they did lock up uh, the defensive end at the end, and they were really clutch. This was a feel-good win. Um, you know, they, they have struggled recently, but this was one of the few games they really came – came on strong in the fourth quarter and closed it down. So that's great to see, um, you know, not the best game by Beal necessarily, but they had really balanced scoring. So they were able, able to overcome it. That's right. And you mentioned Bertans. Bertans had uh, 15 points off the bench off of five or six from the field, including three or four from three-point land. So a really good game for, for Davis. Uh, Arun, how did you feel about this win for the Wizards against the Timberwolves? A uh, very solid win. The Timberwolves are playing really good basketball. They had won six of their last seven games. But as you guys mentioned, Harold came up huge. His sixth game with 20 or more points. And Gaffer did a good job slowing down Carl Anthony Towns, even though Carl Anthony Towns did leave with an injury off the slam dunk. He um, swung and hit the, um, got hit in the back when he fell down. So that's unfortunate, but still a good win for the Wizards. I think they were going to win at that point. And D'Angelo Russell, he was pretty bad for the Timberwolves, one of 12 from three-point range, or one of 12 from the field. I was glad every time you're shooting it, he was... Deferring, not deferring to his teammates, and a good win for the Wizards. 
It was a good win for the Wizards, but then the fortunes would turn for this Wizards team as they head on the as they went up against the Cleveland Cavaliers, and this one didn't go well for them. They lost one sixteen to one hundred one, and it wasn't even close. Uh, Cleveland got out to a 34-29 lead and hardly ever looked back. Uh, they scored 31 points in the second quarter to the Wizards 17. Then after the half, they continued to lead when they had 34 in the third to, to the Wizards 26. The Wizards only outscored them in the fourth quarter, 29-17, but by then it was long too late for them. It was not a good uh, one for the Wizards. Uh, Gafford struggled. He, had, he only had four points. Kuzma only had 12. Uh, Beal only had 14. Denny Abdia was actually the leading scorer with 16 points off the bench. Uh, Harold only had seven. Holiday had 11, and Neto had 13. So it was a struggle for the for the Wizards in this one. And for the the Cavs, Jared Allen actually led the scoring with 28. Well, was one of the high scores for the Cleveland Cavaliers with 28 while Garland had 32 points for Cleveland. So I'll start with Arun. Arun, how did you feel about this this loss for the Wizards against the Cavs? Um, not a good effort by the Wizards. They did beat Cleveland in Cleveland, but um, Cleveland was looking for revenge, and they took it out early on the Wizards. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie with only five points and four assists. That's not going to cut it for a starting point. I remember last year we had Russell Westbrook getting these triple doubles. In this game, the offense wasn't there. Neither was the defense. And this game wasn't even that close. The 29 to 17 fourth quarter wasn't um, helped the Wizards make it look better than it was. And Beal, 6 of 17, um, only 14 points. And as you mentioned, Denny with leading the team with 16 points. That's never going to get it done. Um, if your leading score is 16 points, you're not going to win a game. So Cleveland look like they were the much better team. The Wizards need to really have Dinwiddie step up, especially when he's playing with Bradley Field. Yeah, absolutely. Denny Abdi uh, actually signed 60% from the field, including 50% from beyond the arc. So it's crazy that that, that happened. So, Tim, your thoughts on this loss uh, for the Wizards at home after such a good win against Minnesota? Yeah, I mean, we talked already about Beal being too aggressive and not passing and taking too many shots, but Dinwiddie has the opposite problem. For some reason, the past week or two, he's not looked for a shot at all. He's had games where he's made no field goals, barely scored, not scored at all. Uh, he's just a completely different player and not looking to score. And, you know, just um, a few weeks ago when they beat uh, the Bucks, he hit a lot of huge threes and they really rely on him for scoring, and I don't understand why he's he's not looking for that shot anymore. Um, you know, they do have more guys healthy and more guys that, that want to get shots, but they, they do need him to score double digits, I think, to be successful. So I don't know if it's a coaching thing or it could be he's not completely healthy because he is coming off of an injury and still taking some games off. So I wonder if he needs a rest, but – um, yeah, I mean, your two starting guards are not really playing well and they're not um, looking for shots at the right time or shooting too much. So everything's out of whack. And this particular game, I mean, it was uh, just over in the third quarter. Um, we made Kevin Love look pretty good, which is kind of hard to do these days. And it was just ugly. Um, I, 
was, I guess people stuck around for the ludicrous concert, but it should have been empty by the by the third quarter. I think I said it to you guys in our group chat that you can't get run out of your gym when you're about to have Ludacris perform after the game. And they got ran out of the gym when they have Ludacris performing. And one of the stats before we move on to the next game is that the Wizards got out-rebounded in this game, 54-33. to So that's another way that you're not going to win games if you're not getting those boards and preventing them from getting second chances. So there he goes. So we move on from this loss, and we head to Sunday, where the Wizards visit Toronto, where the last time they were there, it didn't go very well. And this time around, it still didn't go very well. Uh, Raptors winning 102-90. to uh, Toronto outscored the Wizards 23-12 in the first quarter. And then in the second quarter, it was a high-scoring affair. 70 combined points in the second quarter, with Toronto outscoring the Wizards 40-30. to uh, The Wizards were able to kind of claw back a little bit in the fourth quarter, but by then it was a little bit too little, too late. 26-21 in the third Fourth quarter was 22 to 18, but again, it just was too little, too late. Uh, again, Beal kind of struggled scoring. He only had 14 points in 34 minutes. Uh, KCP did have 26 points to lead the team, but he was the only, him and Beal were the only ones that were in double digits. They didn't get a lot of scoring help on this one. Uh, Pascal Siakam had 31 points to lead the Toronto Raptors, and uh, Van Vliet had 10 as well. It was, they had six, five players in double figures. That's what's going to get you to, to win games like this. Tim, I start with you with this one. How did you feel about this one, especially coming off the letdown route of Cleveland going into Toronto and having this result? This was really disappointing because um, the fourth quarter of the, the Cavs game was actually promising, especially on the offensive end. Obviously, uh, Cleveland let up a little bit, but the Wizards were moving the ball really well, I thought, and um, Denny was scoring and Neto was um, playing with pace. And so I thought, well, at least if you get blown out, you, you make the score respectable and you have some momentum for the next game. And to put up 12 points in the first quarter is just pathetic. And clearly um, the team is kind of in a mental funk right now. And um, it's not only Beal's fault, although he's, he's part of it, but just to not get anything from your big men is 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 going to kill them. You know, Harrell or Gafford has to score a lot of points um, for them to win. And if they're both off in a game, you know that's that's that, that's kind of disaster right there. So it's not what you like to see. Um, just Wizards playing really terrible first halves and kind of just making it respectable in the second half lately. It's a bad trend because it kind of seems like they're 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 not prepared and ready to play. Right, yeah, that that is true. And uh, Gafford, Kuzma, and Harold combined for only 19 points uh, between the three of them in this game. So you're not going to get it done there. Arun, how did you feel about this game? What are your thoughts? Yeah, even following that first quarter um, where the offensive output was bad, they managed to screw up in other ways in the second quarter of the game of 40 points. And I think this game felt like it was over after the first half. They did manage to play much better defense in the second half. They only gave up 39 points in the second half, which is less than they gave up in the entire second quarter. So, um, but the top three highest played players on the team did not play well. 14 points for Beal, nine points for Dinwiddie, and two points for Bertans. That's not going to get it done. And um, 
I think like the big men, the defense needs to be more consistent. Gafford, we're singing his praises just a couple games ago. Uh, we played against Carl Anthony Towns. He's, he, Siaka made his lunch and Harold didn't do much better. Six points, although he did have 14 boards, but the Wizards aren't knocking down their threes. Um, Burke Tens wasn't, um, the Wizards really do miss Garrison Matthews, um, who they let go. So they, I think that they'll keep struggling if they keep, uh, they don't score over a hundred points. Sorry. Sorry, I was muted. So we move on to tonight's game uh, where the Wizards visit the Pacers off a of back-to-back. So this one was one I worried about, and sure enough, the score doesn't even indicate how much this game was not close for the Wizards. They lost 116-110, to 110, but the Indiana Pacers jumped out to a big lead early. Uh, they started off with a 28-18 to 18 lead after the first quarter. Then they outscored them 30-29 to 29 in the second. The Wizards tried to make it respectable, but they only outscored them 31-30 to 30 in the third, and then 32-28 to 28 in the fourth quarter to make it lost. Uh, you did have five players. You did have six players in double figures. Bill did score 34, so he kind of woke up a little bit. Gafford and Kuzma all had 14. Holiday had 11 in the starting row at point guard. Uh, Harold had 11 off the bench, and Kispert actually had a 10 off the bench as well. But again, defensively, they just weren't there. Sabonis had 30 points uh, in this one, and it was just just not a close matchup, as close as the score would indicate. Arun, I'll start with you, as always, with this one. How did you feel about the performance of this Wizards team uh, tonight? Uh, overall, not a really good effort by the Wizards. Again, this is like third straight game in a row where we can say, yeah, this game wasn't even that close. It's the fourth quarter garbage time. Just made the game even closer. And Beal actually had a monster game for him. 34 points, 12 and 19 from the field got to the free throw line 10 times, but even when he was on the floor, the, they were outscored by nine points. Denny had some good minutes at the backup point guard, but Neto, um, one of six from the field, wasn't playing much defense, t- taking way too many shots and not making them. And the Wizards did shoot less three-pointers, and they, but they're only 7.15 from deep. I think not even taking threes is probably not going to get it done, especially if you need to score more than 116 points. The defense was definitely off. So bonus, yeah, you mentioned what a great game for him. 30 points, 10 rebounds, and 6 assists, and not to mention 3 steals. That was the key to the game. Gafford, even though he was great offensively, 7 of 8 from the field, he has to do something to slow down to bonus, especially since Harrell's not really going to be that great defender. And I think this is the portion of the season where maybe if the Wizards centers don't step up. Thomas Bryant was there post-game in the Wizards um, studio, so maybe he can give the Wizards a boost for Rui Hachimura, but otherwise, um, either Dinwiddie needs to step up or it's going to be, this trend is going to keep going on where they keep losing games. Yeah, that, that's very true. And one other point there, I, I want to see what Thomas Bryant had to say in the postgame. I want to see that. And also, the Wizards continue to struggle from beyond the arc, 9-23, 39% from beyond the arc. They need to be have more points in the paint, honestly. Tim, how did you feel about this game? Yeah, I kind of agree with what Arun was saying. I mean, 
early in the season, the Wizards were playing so well and they were so deep with uh, wing scoring and just a lot of players coming in and out at the Ford. I didn't think they were missing Thomas Bryant Jr. at all um, as a backup center or Rui really, but I think they definitely need Rui scoring at this point because, I mean, Bertans played three minutes tonight, zero points. Um, they are giving Kispert a lot of play, and I like it because I think he's got potential and he could be a, a good player for them. But I don't think he's ready to be that scorer that they need. You know, um, somebody's always going to be off. They're just not that consistent. And to have a, a trusted double-digit score off the bench is huge. And that's why they paid Bertans, and he's just not able to do it. So I think Rui would get a lot of minutes and, um, you know, they could still find minutes for some of the other guys, but they would just stop playing Bertans and that would probably help. But just, they've never been able to defend Indiana, even though they've beaten them a lot the last couple of years, they've never held them down at all. So they just weren't able to outscore them like they have been able to, um, but just something about Sabonis, Indiana, we, you know, Wizards can't, can't stop them. Yeah, they they honestly can't stop them. And this was I watched this game, most of this game, and it just was not close from at all. Even though they only lost by six points, this was not a close game at all. So that was the week that was for the Wizards this week, a three-game losing streak that they are in. Uh, they have one more road game going up, and then they have a home game, and then they start a West Coast road trip coming up. So we're going to preview these next three games. And as always, when we do that, each of us will pick a game and talk about it before we uh, finish things off. So first they will have the Pistons on Wednesday uh, in Detroit. That will be a 7 o'clock tip-off for uh, the Wizards. Then they will come home. They will have uh, three days off, and then they will come home and play the Jazz at Capital One Arena. That will be a 7 o'clock tip-off on Saturday. Then two day, then a day off for travel, and then they play the Nuggets uh, to begin their West Coast road trip. Uh, that'll be a 9 o'clock tip-off, which means that when we do the Wizards Roundtable next weekend, we will be having a live look into that game. So I, we will each pick a game and talk about it. So I will begin with Arun and let you pick either the Detroit Pistons game, the Jazz game, or the Nuggets game. Uh, I'm going to talk about the Nuggets. Um, they're actually kind of similarly struggling compared to the Wizards relatively. They're 11 and 12. They just lost the Chicago Bulls. Um, this is a winnable game for Washington, given all the injuries that the Nuggets have had, even though um, I guess Michael Porter Jr., he's out for the season. Um, Murray, he still hasn't come back. And I guess Jokic has been pretty inconsistent this year. Like He's been an MVP, but he only had 17 points in this game against the Bulls. But he's definitely capable of putting on a show, and the Wizards need to game plan around him. But I think the Wizards can win against the Nuggets, given their lack of depth if they get back to their winning ways that they were prior to this losing streak. But um, Spencer Dinwiddie definitely needs to step up and hopefully deal. I believe the Wizards did sweep the Nuggets last year, um, so hopefully they can uh, win this game uh, win this game against Denver. Yeah, yeah, that'll be that'll be it. Will be good for them to get this win over Denver because looking at the schedule, it'll be not only it'll be the beginning of a West Coast swing. It's a four-game West Coast swing, but it's the beginning of a six-game road trip. Not only on the West Coast, but on the East Coast, which we'll get into uh, in future episodes. Uh, Tim, which game would you like to talk about, Pistons or Jazz? I'll talk about the Pistons. Um, 
mainly because I think this is the most winnable game. Clearly, clearly, this is the worst team um, that the Wizards are playing uh, this week and uh, for a while. So the Wizards absolutely have to win this game. Um, I, I just checked the standings. The Pistons have only won four games, and they're in last place in the East. So, you know, they're, they, they're very young. Um, Cade Cunningham is a really good rookie. I just checked. I think he scored 28 points last game, and they but they lost. So you know they have some young players that can score. I th- uh, according to Google, Kelly Olnick is is there. So he's an old friend of the Wizards. He um, crushed them in the playoffs. So you always want to beat him, and I, I still hate him for for that Celtics uh, team. So again, um, the Wizards cannot come out slow. I think a team like that. Um, with young players, if you give them life, that's when they have a chance to win. You have to snuff them out in the first half. So they really need to come out and win the first um, quarter. And then I think they'll win the game. But, um, you know, right now the Wizards can't take anybody lightly. Absolutely. They cannot take anybody lightly. I will talk about the Jazz game because looking at where the Jazz stand in the, in the standings in the Western Conference, as I say it all the time, this game scares me. The Jazz are third in the Western Conference right now. Rudy Gobert is averaging a double-double per game uh, so far this season. And if guys like Gafford or Harold struggle defensively, uh, Gobert could have a hell of a game and really pop off with a double-double and really help the Wizards. So there's got to be a concerted defensive effort to keep Gobert under control and not get another double-double like he has clearly done most of the season. Uh, So if the Wizards want to win this game and head out west with some momentum, they got to start it with the Jazz. They're going to play the Jazz again in this West Coast swing coming up in, in Utah. But get that momentum now by keeping Gobert under control, keeping him from getting a double-double, and making sure you play solid defense, make sure you get solid scoring from all all your guys, all your guys, not just, you know, in the middle, but most of your point guards, Beal and um, and Dinwiddie. So you got to make sure you get the points from your, from your guards as well. And so that's it for uh, the week that's coming up. The Wizards, it looks like it's going to be a, t- a tough one for them with the one game with the Detroit Pistons, but it should be a pretty good week for the Wizards. Hopefully they can break this three-game losing streak. They can get back to what they were doing. Uh, before we go and before we end off our Wizards roundtable, I was the one that answered the question of Dujanae about Bradley Beal. So I wanted to get you guys' answer on that question that um, Dujanae asked about Bradley Beal. And I'll start with Arun with that one, and then we'll go to Tim, and then we'll end things off. So Arun, uh, do you think that... Bradley Beal, something's got to be done with Bradley Beal when it comes to him being too aggressive and not giving off to the hot hand and trying to score all by himself. I think the problem with Beal is actually that he's just not making the shots that he used to make. He's actually taking, he hasn't scored as many points. Last year, he's averaging 31 points per game. And this season, he's only averaging 22 points a game. It's the worst scoring average since 2015, 2016. In the last five years, he actually increased the scoring average. But nobody probably expected him to score 32 points per game this year. But um, he's scoring nearly 10 less points per game. The new rules definitely are having an effect. They're not calling as many fouls on all point guards. Guys like Damian Lillard are struggling. James Harden is having a down year. But Beal is actually averaging more assists 
this season, partially with Westbrook out of the lineup, but Westbrook averaged triple-double, meaning he averaged 10 assists, and Beal's only averaging 1.6 assists more. Um, with Dinwiddie's not really carrying his weight, getting into the paint like Russell Westbrook was, and he's not um, knocking down his threes. And Beal's actually shooting 26% from three-point range. That's pretty awful. I think it's probably even worse. The only guy I think is worse is Bertans on the Wizards that actually takes threes. So Beal's a career 37% three-point shooter. He came in as being compared to Ray Allen. He used to fix that three-point shot. Um, his mid-range game is fine, but this is the new NBA where you need to knock down your threes. And I don't know why Beal hasn't really been knocking down his threes. Maybe it's a new ball. And he generally does start the first half of the season slow. But the Wizards definitely need him to step up. They want to do better than just getting the play and see. Absolutely. Tim, how do you, how, what about your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think he, he's, you just have to let shooters shoot and get out of their slump. Um, you don't want to hurt his confidence. I mean, I don't think you really can because he kind of is the alpha dog of the team. And um, he's going to shoot no matter what. Um I, and and like I said, I think Dinwiddie deserves a lot of the blame too because I think if he was more aggressive and also hitting more shots himself, that opens up a lot a lot for Beal and the rest of the team. And when you know your point guard is is not going to take a lot of shots or go to the hoop, and you know that the off guard shoots a ton, I mean he's it, it's easier to defend him because it's becoming predictable too. You know, you, you know how many times in the second half do you kind of know Beal's going to ISO, he's going to take some contact. Last year he would have got two shots. This year he just misses and he complains a ton. I mean, he always has. But he's definitely frustrated. So um, I think you just have to let, yeah, let him play out of it, hope that Rui comes back and some guys start shooting better because, you know, um, the whole team's shooting terribly. But I, I don't think it's just Beal. Um, and I think he will get out of it eventually. Yeah, I'm looking at Spencer Dinwiddie's stats right now. He's currently averaging 13.4 points per game, so that's not going to get it done much uh, when you have someone like Bill, and everybody knows that if, like Bill's going to try to like shoot the lights out. So, and I gave my answer early, uh, at the start of the segment that yeah, you know, Bill does need to rely more on his uh, on others to be able to score as well he shouldn't put it all all on his back especially when he has Harold in the lineup off the bench and things like that uh so that's it for our wrist round table for this week uh tim i'll start with you what you what you got going on and again i'm so sorry for your loss yesterday with the with the ravens and what you got going on and um everything like that man yeah appreciate that um no i'm just uh had a good show. I'm, I'll probably be out next week, but um, it was good to see Washington football team win. I did see it with um, an, an annoying Raiders fan there, so that kind of made me root for him louder because I'm like, why are you in the DMV and making noise at a bar? But anyway, that's Raiders fans for you, so have a, have a good rest of the show. Um, I'll see you guys in two weeks. Go Wizards. All right. Thanks, Tim. Appreciate you as always. Arun, what you got going on in your world, my friend? Uh, definitely look out for a podcast. Uh, sorry I didn't actually put one out last week, but I'm definitely going to touch on fantasy football pretty soon. And um, RG3, the news with him apparently is that he was sexually harassed with the Washington football team. 
I did not see that coming. And uh, I'm kind of curious how far he's willing to go to sell this book. And it's actually, speaking of the Raiders, he did actually beat the Raiders in September of 2013. And so did Kirk Cousins. So the trend continues. Washington keeps beating the Raiders and good for them to get the win. All right. <laughs> Thanks, man. Appreciate you being here. We'll see you next week. All right. Sure. Thanks for having me on. Thanks. Thanks. CP3. We rocked it, man. We rocked it, man. Hey, man. Appreciate you uh, hosting the NBA chat, breaking it down for the Wizards fans. I shared it to some of the Wizards groups. And I uh, appreciate you uh, contributing as always. Let the folks know what you got going on on, on Spots uh, Podcast. I'm actually watching uh, Liv Morgan versus. Uh, Becky Lynch right now on WWE Raw, so you know. Yeah, I'll be watching that in the morning. I'm glad to know that was the main event, actually. That's really awesome. I'll be watching that in the morning, but this week for No Spots, uh, on Thursday, it'll be the second-to-last episode of Season 2 of the World Tag League Best of Super Juniors Rewind, where at the start of the show, I will be bragging because my co-host Sage is a Raiders fan! <laughs> so I will be bragging at the start of the show, but we will be breaking down this week's action in that tournament. It's six events over the next seven days. They had a day off today, and then they're back at it tomorrow. Uh, so we'll be breaking that down and look at standing. San Saturday will be the final podcast for No Spots of 2020. So me and Sip will be having a lot of fun with that one, breaking down NXT war games and talking about what happens this week as well. So make sure you check that out. True No Spots Pod, uh, No Spots Pod on Facebook, facebook.com slash No Spots Pod, or wherever you get your podcast from. And we stream it live on Twitch, twitch.tv slash True No Spots Pod. I appreciate that. Y'all make sure y'all check them out. They're breaking down all the wrestling going on on all the different networks and shows. I don't lost track how many it is, but to keep up, they definitely do a great job of keeping track and filling you in on everything that's going on. Make sure you check out their podcasting partners button on our website, sportsochp.com. You can fit the apparel line, cop one of the shirts, got one of the new Sports OCHP shirts I'm rocking right now. And just be on the lookout for a lot of stuff we got coming up. Appreciate y'all tuning in. As always, want to end the show with some independent music videos. Got to start it off with Renegade. Got a couple of them stoned in there. So check us out. Go follow Big shout out to Renegade. No doubt you doing big things. This video, he uh, actually shot himself, edited, produced the track, mixed the beat. He's, yeah, he's ridiculous. He does it all. So be on the lookout. Got some things coming, things in the works. Bit more videos coming out. Tune in at the bar radio Sundays at six. You know how we do DC sports without the politics. It's not just a catchphrase. It's not just a motto. It's what we do. And we out. That's what you get when you go fuck with the vision. My money be piling, we don't do division. The feds be watching, I just gotta get up. I was just down, now I'ma get up. Sleeping on me, I bet they didn't get up. My money was low, but now I'ma get up. Oh, bet that we get up. Pushing this weight, I'm doing sit-ups. I was just dirty, now I got my fit up. So good for these bitches, I bet they gon' miss us.
Now pack a bag if you think that I'm tripping. I keep this shit brisk like I'm sitting up dumb. Even though niggas don't know what to get on. You ain't shit, so your niggas gon' get on. Get you some pack, go make a flip homes. Yeah, I'm stuck in my bad ways. Niggas always beatin' burnt out, so I dip them all in the ashtray. I don't understand these niggas that just always talking about, yeah, they past ways. I don't understand these bitches always comparing me to they past days. I give a fuck about you, you give a fuck about me. I just be rapping for money. You be be rapping for free. Feel like that I rap like a god. The reason they call me a G. I'ma kiss all of these odds. Niggas ain't fucking with me. Never no worries a quarter matata. They say that I'm hot cause the devil with Prada. I'm soldier boy first and these niggas gon' follow. Catching no feelings, you catching these hollows. Ride with Rodriguez like I fuck with Rollo. Ain't got no time when I see this bravado. Bet that bitch shine like I'm in Monte Carlo. Looking at me like I done hit the lotto. Count on your last day, get hit up. Talking that trash, hey, on Twitter. Your bitch, she be bad, yeah, I'm with her. When she see me, her face be lit up. Boy, better go ahead and mind your finna. I don't go back and forth like tenor. Run this game, I don't get no finna. But we about to get up. Ten rounds, that that nigga can't get up. That's what you get when you go fuck with the vision. My money be piling, we don't do division. Feds be watching, I just gotta get up. I was just down, now I'ma get up. Sleeping on me, I bet they didn't get up. My money was low, but now I'ma get up. Oh. Never ever live in the past. I gotta wake up to go get the bread. I gotta go ahead and give it a 
Take a promise, I give it some love, I make a wish, I promise to, you know you gotta get it right, you know you gotta get it So cool just to celebrate Sports on the Hill podcast. Hashtag DC Sports without the politics with Carol and Robbie on True Radio Network. Sports on the Hill podcast.